You're at the Coaching Inn, 3D Coaching's virtual pub where we enjoy conversations with people who are engaged in the world of coaching. Hello there, thanks for joining us today um, as we host a essentially a mini series um, within 3D's podcast, The Coaching In, while Claire is on sabbatical, <clears throat> walking the Camino. Um, for, those that you, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Kirsty Elderton and I'm going to be your host for today. Um, and I've been coaching with 3D and individuals and coaching in organisations for over 10 years. And I also lead a design practice for Naus Group, which is a consulting firm. And that gives me the great privilege of working with individuals, but also taking a bit of a peek behind the curtains of organizations through my consulting work. And one of my favorite things amongst all of that is to see leaders who might not think of themselves as coaches applying coaching skills in their practice. And in this series, we're taking a deep dive into a very specific leadership trait or characteristic and exploring that with a leader who embodies that trait, someone who is, um, to use that lovely Brene Brown expression, in the arena, demonstrating that quality day in and day out. Um, my very strong hunch is that there's going to be a lot we can learn from people who are living those qualities, either as leaders ourselves, as coaches, or just as people who want to have a more positive impact in the world. So I'm really excited to introduce our next guest to the arena. Um, I've had the great pleasure of working with him over the last couple of years. And as well as learning loads from him, it's also just been a lot of fun. And so today um, I'm really pleased to welcome Kamal Ibrahim to the podcast. And we are going to be talking all things coaching and that much needed leadership quality of adaptability. So Kamal, welcome. Um, perhaps say hello, introduce yourself a little bit, tell us a little bit about your background. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you for having me, Kirsty. And uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, my name is Kamal Ibrahim. Um, a little bit of background about me. I've arrived um, from Ethiopia uh, in 2003 with my uh, two sisters and four brothers. Um, and, um, you know, since I've arrived in Australia, my whole journey has been absolutely um uh, amazing um it's been up up and down but uh, a lot of um a lot of uh i would say uh, things that i didn't know um about australia when i arrived first here has has been a, a big challenge and you know to mm. to to where I am from first from Ethiopia when I arrived here 2003 to now it's been a it's a been it's been a big challenge hopefully we can talk in depth about it a little bit but yeah I'm like Kirsty said uh, I'm a, a founder of Wambo which is a non-for-profit organization and we focus on um, helping disadvantaged kids to be fit and healthy uh, using soccer as 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 a vehicle 
Yeah, thank you, Kamal. I'm sure we'll touch a little bit more on that story as we delve into this idea of adaptability. But um, just tell us a little bit, Kamal, about how you managed to turn your kind of passion for soccer into way of into a way of kind of, I guess, communicating, connecting, settling into a new place at that, um, yeah, that very young age of 12. Yeah, sure. Well, my passion from so- for soccer started really when I was back at home. My older brother mm. was a soccer player. We grew up in a small village in Ethiopia called Ergachafe. And uh, I used to wake up in the morning, uh, go with him to to soccer training, 6 a.m., holding his bags and soccer balls, you know. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, I just fall in love with the game. And, uh, and, you know, it's funny how now, after all these years, how, you know, for me, soccer, in a way, saved my life, you know, the passion I had for soccer. Um, Because when, when... when the war did happen between Ethiopia and Eritrea, and when we got separated from my family, from my two oldest brothers, my dad, uh, long story short, but they, they've been, you know, forcibly taken from, you know, from our house and uh, pretty much chucked in the border to go back to Eritrea. Um, that's when, you know, then, you know, to avoid, I, I feel like to avoid, you know, missing my dad and my brothers. I used soccer again that time to kind of just uh, give me happiness. So I played a lot of soccer when I was younger. And then from from that small village, then I had to again move to a, a bigger city to start the process to come to Australia. And then, um, you know, my mother just being by herself, it was obviously difficult. Um, and I could see that. And, and, you know, most of the time, again, I spend uh, my whole day outside playing soccer uh, with friends and and going for a, a long, long uh, walk to, to play into tournaments. And, you know, when I first come to Australia, then, you know, it, it was it was very difficult to settle in, you know, for many reasons. So, so I use soccer again to kind of fit in or make friends um, or uh, feel like, uh, you know, I belong here. So, you know, soccer has been definitely a big part of um, who I am today. And Kamal, I know you've been a little bit humble here because you would have started, I guess, at a local club, progressed through the leagues, went on to play professional soccer, under 21s for the Socceroos, the Australian men's team. So um, it, it wasn't just a passion. Hey, it was, it was a career for you. Yeah, yeah. Well, it started with a passion. You know, I've never had the, the vision to play soccer professionally or know how much players get paid or anything like that. I just did it, like I said, back at home. We didn't have TV. We didn't have anything. And that was the way for us to spend the, the day, you know. Um, and then when I first came here, uh, you know, there was a lot of um, uh, negativity towards me. Um, and I didn't know what it was from the start, you know. I would, I would uh, you know, jump on the bus and people look at me weird or I would be at school and people start saying, you know, things that, 
I did I knew that you know it wasn't nice things because the just their body language uh, mm. meant to me that I didn't belong here. So it took me a while to to kind of know why people were very rude towards me. And that's when I, like you said, I went to a local club and I started playing. And then from there, all of a sudden, you know, the coaches um, and the players accepted me as a family. And um, and then from there, everything took off very fast. Uh, you know, I got uh, called up to play for, for Victoria um, and then started traveling into States and then got called up to play for Australia and travel the world. Um, and yeah, it just gave me this belief uh, to to do more with my life. Um, and, and obviously, uh, played professionally for Melbourne Heart, now Melbourne City. Uh, so it's given me, yeah, it's given me so many good things. But it, it did have a lot of sacrifice and a lot of um, uh, hurdles that I had to overcome to try to get to where I wanted to get to. And you've more recently, Kamal, combined that kind of love of soccer, I think, with some of those experiences you were just describing, being a young person, um, new to Australia in the in your not-for-profit one ball. Um, and I know, I know how passionate you are about one ball and the work that you're doing. So just paint a picture of one ball for us and what's involved and the work that you're doing with young people today. Yeah. So one ball, you know, first of all, the, the name come from where, where, you know, when I had one soccer ball and how much it meant to me. Um, and that's all it meant to us when we were kids back at home. Just one soccer ball could do uh, a lot for us and it gave us so much joy and it, gave, it distracted us from all these things. So, you know, when when I kind of stopped, stopped playing professional, um, I realised, you know, so many kids in Australia that uh, love soccer, but they can't afford to play in the club because the clubs obviously cost so much money. Um, they can't afford uniform or they get told you're not good enough. Um, you have to do trials and stuff like that. And and I, I said to myself, oh, my God, what about if there was a kid who would like me and he was trying to fit in, um, but he didn't find the club that I did. And, um, and you know, they, they, he just want to, to play football. And it's not, a big, it's not about being professional, but that, kind of belonging to to uh, um, a club or organization feeling like you know they have a teammate and support so that's when I said okay I would I would love to create something like that where where parents and kids from different cultures can come together uh, without worrying about uh, paying a, a big registration fee um, being told um, you're not good enough or being told um, you know you don't belong in this club because you're different from a different culture. So I started first to just to bring everyone together and give this kid the sense of feeling that I had being a part of a, a team. And then obviously over the years that they've come into, you know, different things. Um, as, as you know, now we, we've included in our soccer session, positive affirmation for the young kids and character strength uh, for the older kids. 
So that's all, all the things I learned from soccer. You know, like I said, you know, there's so many times that I wasn't, I wasn't uh, welcome to play for, to play soccer and my teammates, they were jealous. Uh, you know, they call me names or the crowd will say something or the coach tell me I'm not good enough or I'll go through injuries. There was a lot of things in soccer that it wasn't all just good things um, that I had to come uh, um, to, 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 to be strong and, and, and to mm. continue my dream. So, you know, we want to um, start, you know, because these kids don't play soccer every, every single day or in a club environment. We want to kind of teach them that, you know, they have different qualities, you know, rather than just a soccer player. Um, and this is why we're including, you know, character strength building with the kids. Um, and yeah, it has just been a great journey and we have some, we have a lot of big dreams for one ball. I want to do a lot of things. So, but so far it's been a great start. Just, I just want to say like a massive congratulations on the extraordinary success of one ball to have over yeah, I think is it something like 250 children and young people in the program now is huge. And I know you've got massive plans to kind of take it even further. But I just you've painted a bit of a picture, Kamal, of some of the challenges, some of the barriers, some of the hurdles you've had to overcome. Can you just talk yeah. to us about this idea of adaptability and and how it's perhaps served you? well over those years um yeah i can talk about that uh, i think you know it it's for me uh, in my whole life i had to adapt in, in in some kind of way you know um and you only get through um through you know adapting if if if, if through your environment you know if things change and other things come then you have to adapt to them. You have no choice, you know. For for example, you know, when I was back at home, like I said, when I was a young kid, you know, our whole life's been um, destroyed by by the government and took in my, my dad's business and took in him and my brother just overnight, just like that. And, and just removed everything. And I was only five years old, I think, at that time. And, you know, I remember being so scared and my mom and my brothers, you know, just my other younger, older brothers trying to, trying to get us out of the village we were in because everybody knew that we were Eritrean, you know, yeah. um, and we had to, we had to flee to a different city and hide. Um, so when I went to Addis Ababa, which is the capital city, I had to adapt there um, to, to, uh, even though it's in the same country, but it's a bigger city, you know, we're from a small village and I had to adapt, uh, going to school there, make sure nobody found out that I was Eritrean, you know? Um, and, and then when I come to Australia, then that was, that was obviously a big challenge and it wasn't easy to, to adapt to the culture differences, to, to English, um, to, to the people, um, and uh, to the food, um, you know, it took me a, a good uh, couple of years to kind of, um, you know, I, I feel like I'm still adapting to it. Um, but I would say, you know, I, I've done a great job uh, adapting and, and, and understanding not only the culture, but understanding 
uh, other people uh, way of view um, because obviously they, they were born here and and ex for example my coaches you know my coaches I feel like uh, the coaches didn't adapt to me but I, mm. I adapted to them every single coach I had because it's easier for them it was easier for me to adapt to the culture rather than them adapting to my culture because I feel like they had no idea about my culture, absolutely nothing. And, you know, some, sometimes that kind of caused me um, uh, a lot of uh, misunderstanding yeah. um, because they didn't know my culture. Or they refused to adapt. They refused to understand me. Um, they kind of uh, mistreated me in, in, a lot of, in a lot of wrong ways. Um, so adapting... I feel like, especially for for coaches, it's it's very it's a big thing, you know. Not everybody is the same, and you need to you need to kind of have an open mind and understand um, each everyone's uh, personality and everybody's uh, needs. So, you know, for me now as a coach, and I'm passionate. That's something that uh, I look forward to, and I always know that I can't treat everybody the same, and I try to. Um, adapt in different situations, different location. Um, I, there's obviously as Wambo, you know, we do a different location, and um, you know, I have to adapt myself uh, if we're doing a program in 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 Crumbin, uh, in for example, which is a different city, a different background. A lot of families from there from Afghanistan, so uh, I've tried to um make it work uh for them and not treat them exactly the same as the poor melbourne for, program for example kamal what i think is really interesting about what what you're saying there is that um you know those earlier early experiences of perhaps not being understood by the folks that coached you um have really informed your coaching practice and it sounds like you put in a lot of effort to kind of educate yourself about the people that you're working with and you know not make too many assumptions or at least challenge some of the assumptions that might be kind of planted in our brains even if we didn't intentionally kind of put them there um about those different communities and cultures that you work with and i i'm just sort of reflecting that that's an important lesson for all of us isn't it that kind of opportunity to think reflect educate ourselves about the folks that we're interacting with so we're not um we're not missing in conversations we're not missing each other inadvertently and at worst it Absolutely. could be disrespecting and at, at best it might be you know just misunderstanding yeah absolutely i think everything is about misunderstanding not knowing when to know other people's culture or, or put yourself in their shoes a lot of coaches when i was first come to australia or even now they they don't have any idea about my culture um, so anything that i do it's been seen as for example you know they used to say a lot of things to me when oh kamal has um an attitude problem you know mm. and uh, he has this he has that and be, that that's easy for them to say that rather than um understand where i'm coming from or understand why I am doing the things that I'm doing uh, because, as I mentioned to you, I was in Australia two, three years, um, and they expected me to live the Australian style or they expected me to do 
the things they were doing. But, you know, I've lived before then in a different culture and a different uh, mentality. So it's going to take me years to adapt to this culture, right? So mm. they don't understand that, oh, everything then should become automatically and you should be doing everything that uh, the kids were born in Australia. Um, but that, 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 that is no reality, you know? Um, so yeah, I just feel like, you know, they don't, you know, they don't, they didn't care about uh, knowing and understanding. It was easy for them to blame me because again, I'm just one, one person, one kid. Um, so they can just get other, other players who then understand the culture and understand um, the way of life. Um, so yeah, in, like you said, now it, it for me, absolutely i try to um you know make sure that i'm not missing out um trying to understand other people and where they're coming from and and be patient and not uh, assume that or they're being rude or they have attitude or they have this you know mm. that um that that example you give about attitudes an interesting one isn't it because in um i'm just reflecting that i i work with someone who has has been accused of that kind of attitude type face facial expression and actually yeah. it's um often because they're very shy and in their culture um they're very what's the word mm, very respectful of people in senior positions and so the tendency is to be quiet to be shyer but it, but for somehow somehow it's read as something differently. And so one of the sort of golden rules we talk about in coaching is if you're not really, if it's not clear what's happening with someone is to just, is to ask them. I notice you're, you're being quiet. What's that about? Um, rather than kind of diagnose or jump to conclusions too early. But I'm just sort of thinking that out loud, Kamal, and wondering what that, would have been like to have someone ask those sorts of questions ask uh sorry say that again ask um, like if one of your if the if one of your coaches instead of jumping to the conclusion about oh kamal's got attitude if they'd have asked you a question around we notice you're not participating kamal or whatever the right question might have been yeah. would that have felt welcoming yeah, or would it have felt exposing oh. i'm not sure yeah, 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 absolutely. You know, I, I felt like I was being attacked mm. the whole time and I was, I wasn't, you know, I had to prove myself. I, I will give you an example. Um, you know, in my culture, if you um, come one hour late, okay, you are very early, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, in Australia, if you come five minutes late, uh, then you are not professional and you are not disciplined and you are uh, you have attitude right so I used to, I went to training uh, five minutes late I've got treated like I've killed someone right and mm. and and I was I was rude I wasn't disciplined I wasn't professional I was I was this everything that you can name of but mm. the reality is you know, I come here, my mother doesn't drive. My brothers, they don't care about soccer or taking me to training. They have their own. Mm -hmm. They're trying to live in Australia, trying to earn money. Um, so there was no one. I had no backing. I had to do everything for myself at 12 years old, 13, 14, 15. So I had to catch a bus, 
two hours to get to training or two and a half, maybe traffic. So five minutes late, you know, for me, it was like I was trying to do my best, right? Mm. So, but for the coaches, it was like, oh my God, his kid is coming five minutes late. He has, he doesn't like soccer. He doesn't be professional. But the thing is, I was the most, I played soccer my whole life. I have more passion than than anybody there. And I did it for for because you know I loved it and it wasn't because I wasn't professional but it just shows you that you know people rather give you and tell you things that um, you are not um, good at rather than try to find out you know how they can help you or what your situation is and you know so small things like that you know that's just one example but you know now when I'm coaching and I, I see kids come late and I see other kids who come early um, and, and they come with their parents, you know, the parents actually there, they watch them, you know, they give them uh, support. And I see a kid coming off the bus, right? And he's like five minutes, 10 minutes late. You know, I have to be more understanding of his situation, you know? Yeah. You're just reminding me again, which is a great reminder, isn't it? Because we can we can think we're doing well at this, <laughs> at this kind of awareness and acknowledgement of different people's circumstances, but it's so easy to slip into um, our own standards and expectations and not give that patience and care that and concern that I think you're describing, Kamal. Yeah. I think, I think so too. I think, yeah. Uh, it just takes a you know a small amount of passion to to really to understand the person you know mm. it's not I'm not saying that you know the coaches should should definitely let me come late every single training session you know I'm not yep. saying that but I, I, it's about understanding and seeing uh, without uh, blaming the person trying to try to understand where they're coming from and see if they, if, if you can ad- adapt to, to their culture or their way of, yeah. of life, because who said that coming five minutes late is, 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 is not good. Who said coming one hour late proves to you that you're professional or you're going to win games. You know, it's not proven, you know, so a different culture, for example, in Brazil, I had Brazilian teammate in Brazil, they said training is nine thirty. As long as you're on the pitch by 9.30, that's okay, right? And Brazilians are the most skillful players out there. And when he was talking to me, because he had the same issue, he said, training is at 9.30. They want us here to be 10.30. He goes, I have family. I have things. I'd rather spend those times with my family. Why do I have to become here an hour early? It doesn't mm. make sense. Is it proven that it's going to win your championship? Is it proven that you're not going to get injured? It's, it's got nothing. It's just the way because of the Australian way of life that everybody does that. So everyone should do it, but it's got no scientifically proof that coming one hour late is good for you or come, coming five minutes, just five minutes before training. Uh, it, it's, it's just as, 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 as okay for me, you know, unless you need treatments and everything like that. So it's, yeah, it's a, it's a very uh, weird one to be honest. So there's a, I think there's a challenge here, isn't there, about not, um, yeah, not overplaying your own experience and expectations and 
kind of finding that meeting place in the middle because I think what I'm hearing Kamal is that you did all of the adapting and the dominant kind of culture didn't do very much yeah absolutely absolutely I mean yeah you 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 can it's it's a it's a big difference from from obviously Africa to Australia yeah. uh, the way everything everything is done right I'm not coming from England to Australia or from Europe it wasn't it wasn't the case so yeah i had to do a lot of adapting uh where my coaches didn't have to do as much and you know i, I was always blamed and and yeah. this that and and I, I you know i fought through it and i try to do as best as that i can um yeah and i'm just giving back now to to um through one ball to to the younger kids and kids from you know obviously from african background as well you know, some of them already playing professional that that are mentor and and coach and try to you know uh, give them my experience and what's needed from them uh, because I, I would like to hate to see uh, kids not being selected because he's been misunderstood by the coaches. You know. Mm. And I think one of the things I was just sort of reflecting on when I was listening to you, Kamal, is that. Um, you know, the, the coaching that you do with those young people, um, of course, it's technical coaching around soccer, but it's also those um, sort of supportive conversations that help them with their sort of health and well-being um, that, you know, people who work in, um, I was going to say life coaching, that's maybe not the right, maybe not the right term, but people who are professional coaches working in the workplace, for example. Um, yeah. It sounds like you're sort of sowing the seeds of some of this learning with those young people through those more transformational conversations that you're happen that you're having with them through soccer. Um, how important do you think this idea of adaptability is for the young people that you're working with it's it's sort of had some challenges for you but it also seems to have served you well yeah definitely i mean anything in life is um is is a learning lesson you know if, mm. if i didn't go through that i obviously i wouldn't be the person i am today and uh for me um you know i i i, I try to adapt um to to everything that I can, uh, but most of the kids that we're working with at the moment, they're either born here or they come to Australia when they're very young. So they are aware of uh, they are more adapted than when I was when I first came here. Mm. So it's more like uh, now for them is um, you know okay you know you 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 need to understand that you. You, you you know you're you're a human being um and and you know you have this whole life in front of you and you know you're gonna be challenged um in so many ways and i feel like sport is the perfect uh place to challenge yourself you know uh, because you know you you you're in a team environment you have to learn how to work with the team you have to learn how to lose, then get up again. You have to get injured, go all the way down, and then build yourself up again, come back again, and then get injured again. 
and build yourself up again. And then you, 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 you know, the coaches maybe not happy with you or, or another player come take your spot or you sit down on the bench, then you have to deal with that. Um, you know, there's so many things sports, uh, soccer taught me uh, to prepare me for, for the real life, right? And, and, and the study shows that, and, and, uh, and I've talked to so many uh, athletes that, you know, if they didn't have soccer, and kids who don't have soccer and my friends who don't have a sport team, for example, they can't cope with a pressure in life than a person who played sports. And for me, it's amazing because, and I know why, because when you're not involved in a sporting team, you, you're not challenged, you know, you're just going to work or you're at school, everything is easy. Um, and you know you do what you can do, but when you play sports, like as I mentioned before, you're challenging in a different way. So you're building this resilient, you're building courage, you're building teamwork, you're building leadership, you're building all these great uh, character strengths that you're gonna need when you grow up. Um, so this is why I, I mostly I wanted to put those kids in in the sport environment, in 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 a team environment where they where they challenge. And then try to teach them about their, their own character strength. Um, and the people who are listening to this podcast, you know, if we ask, you know, how many of you right now understand exactly what your powers are as a human being and exactly know, okay, you can point out this is my strength and I'm actually using them. Um, it, it won't be money, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, that was the case for me. And someone asked me, oh, come on, what's your strength? And I used to say, oh, I'm a good soccer player. I'm this, I'm that, because that's all I knew. That's all the coaches said to me. If I played good, oh, Kamal was amazing today. He's a great soccer player. If I played bad, oh, he was terrible today. He, he wasn't as so good. So when I, when I understand that, you know, we have all these amazing qualities as a person, as a character, uh, which is called character strength, our personality strength, then I said, oh, my God. You know, I really want to know what minds are so I can understand in depth and, and see what I'm the way I'm living my life or the way the things I'm doing right now is in line with that. If not, then I understand why I'm suffering or why my business is not working because I'm trying to, I'm not using my strength, you know. So mm-hmm. this is why it's so important for the kids to say, okay, you, you know, you, we're using soccer as a vehicle, but then we want to kind of, you know, just get them thinking about this this other aspect of, of their life, which will help them when they grow, you know. And I think that's more important than just being a soccer player. So this is why um, uh, Air Wombo is is becoming not just a, a soccer uh, field or they can come and kick the ball and, and go, but um, just try to, try to uh, empower them um, outside of the soccer life as well. So I'm sensing, Kamal, that um, all of the changes and new circumstances you've experienced from, you know, moving in your home country, moving to Australia, moving clubs, moving to professional sport, moving into a sort of CEO type role of one ball, that all of that kind of 
changing and flexing into those new roles, if you like, or new circumstances have really given you a sort of, yeah, I was just thinking that all the changes um, that you've experienced, you know, moving from moving within your own, in your home country, then moving to Australia, community sport, professional sport, and now leading an organization, all of those changes and fitting into new circumstances have, um, I get the sense that they've, that all of that change has created a, a, a more positive or at least a, a stronger mindset, a stronger sense of purpose. Um, yeah. Is that yeah, fair? definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can only be challenged if, if life puts something in front of you, you know, and yeah. you know, if I, if I was, if I was just in Ethiopia in one place, nothing happened. And uh, then I won't be going through um, all these processes or all this adaptation that I've gone through, right? So God has a funny way of, of testing you. And, you know, even though the war, the war um, that happened in Ethiopia and my, being separated from my, my dad was a, a terrible thing. But then, uh, you know, got me the opportunity to come to Australia and to do things that I would never had uh, thought I'd be capable of, you know, to reach my potential if you like it. And, and when I look back uh, at it, it's, uh, it's amazed me. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of things that I haven't talked to you about in terms of um, obviously all the things that I had to go through to get to where I am. Because when people said, oh, uh, I played for Australia and I played professional but to get to there, you know, there's so many things you had to come through. And, uh, and and it's a good thing because if it was easy, then everybody does it. And and all those hard things uh, made me, um, like you said, more open-minded person who want to contribute to the world. And I feel like, you know, you know, I have a calling. And that's you know, and and one ball and, and and giving back and seeing kids um, play soccer and have that joy is I feel like that is what I want to do, um, and 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 yes, all the experiences that I had um, definitely helped make my my decision. Uh, in terms of why I started an unfor-profit organization, for example, rather than a profit organization where it's an academy and, and we charge kids, you know, a lot of dollars uh, to, to participate. So because of I have those uh, challenges when I was younger and I understand how hard it was for families and, and for myself, um, you know, for me, a non-for-profit organization was the right one so yeah i am i am absolutely glad that you know that through the all the challenges i went through um because you can only grow uh, when you challenge when everything is easy you don't learn anything so yeah it's been it's it's been a great experience and I'm, now i'm still getting challenged as as a founder and uh, uh, as a director of wombo because that's something that i've never done before and and i'm learning as, as i go Thank you, Kamal. And I'm just, I just want to sort of make the observation really that I've seen you in 
action with those kids and those young people. And, you know, we talk a lot about in, um, in coaching training and in kind of mentor coaching about, you know, coaching can be quick, it can be to the point, it should be in partnership. And I see the conversations that you have with some of those young people and the mutual respect and the set and the space that it creates for you to have those really encouraging kind of positive conversations with those young people where they get to explore just a little bit of their world with you in a way that's helpful and useful and purposeful for them. So, yeah, I, I just want to say it's been lovely to see you in action and um it excites me to see something that I'm passionate about coaching and helping people kind of come to their own insights and conclusions about life. It's exciting for me to see um, glimpses of that in the work that you do with the young people at Womble. So um, yeah, it's thank you for letting me have a little window into it. Um, just before we finish, no, come on, if there's, um, if there's, if, if people want to kind of delve a little bit deeper into this idea of, um, well, you've been talking about a lot of things, really, adaptability, positive mindset, values and purpose. Are there, are there some areas, some things that have really helped you that you might recommend to others? Um, what would I recommend? Uh, I, I think, I think, uh you know for for me um it was it was patient and and not not taking it personal mm -hmm. um got me really uh, in a place where i didn't lose my tempo yeah you know the, like i said uh, there's been times in my own teammates um have caused trouble for me um because you know, it's always been the only African player in the team or even when I was playing for Australia and they didn't like that. So, you know, they caused the trouble for me to to fight them to do this. And, and I used not to fight them, but show them on the field. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, so I would go and play if, if they're being racist to me or they're fighting me or something like that. I would be so upset inside but my mentality was, okay, so you don't think I am good enough. You don't think I belong here. So I'm going to show you on the field exactly that. And I will go and play one of my best games. Um, and, and, and then afterwards, they will come to me and try to be my friends or to apologize to me. So for me, I had to adapt. I had to adapt um, rather than fighting or rather than... Uh, talking I, I wanted to show by actions mm. right because that is the best way you know you cannot talk your way out of things you know you show by actions and, and that was enough you know what else can you can they do you can't do anything if you if they're telling you you're not good enough or or you 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 this you don't belong here and you go and score two goals or or become best on ground they really can't say anything because you're showing it by action, you know? So for me, I would say, you know, just to, 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 to be patient and to, to, um, to show by example, you know, by your actions, 
that's that's what that's one thing I would say. Mm. I I love this observation, and you're almost kind of bringing us full circle to where we started, which is, um, you know, the the challenge I'm taking away from this conversation, Kamal, is, um, you know, I I feel really committed to issues around equity and diversity and I'm just going ah are my actions showing it (laughs) and so Uh you know I I think that's a really useful a useful kind of note to finish on so that we can yeah that listeners can perhaps think about yeah what's what's the thing I'm passionate about and are my actions demonstrating it and what might I need to do to bridge that gap yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, like uh, like uh, like I said, you know, adapting adapting to something it, it, it's hard, you know, it's hard, uh, especially if if there's something that um, you haven't. It's completely different. For example, from Africa to Australia, that's big, massive. You know, it's gonna it's it's gonna take a while. So people need to understand that you have to give these people uh, the 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 time for them to adapt to things. You know. Yeah. Um, and in coaching, I read a statement today. Uh, sorry to go out of topic, but Asan Benga, the coach, said, you know, it's better um, kids from five to twelve years old to have no coaches rather than have a bad coach. Right? Interesting. Yeah, because the kids, you know, this is why it's important the role we're playing as when we're coaching young kids. They are still very young. They're still open-minded. Anything you do, anything you say. Uh, or stick right and you you can mold them to 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 have a, a different mentality so you when you have a bad coach then it's you know they he's gonna he's gonna influence them in a bad way so it's and, and I agree with that what he said um, so it's better them to to just have fun and 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 be um, uh, open-minded uh, rather than being um, you know, told uh, something that, you know, doesn't benefit them. So, yeah, at one ball, it's very, it's very um, important that, you know, obviously our coaches have, have um, uh, our good role model to, to the kids. Yeah, that feels like a perfect place to land Kamal and um, if listeners are interested in finding out more about Kamal's work um, we'll put the various links to Womble the social media links etc etc in the show notes Um, I'm sure um, Kamal would be open to to some feedback and to hearing from folks who might be interested in his work as well Um, so I just want to say thank you so much Kamal for sharing um, sharing a little glimpse really into your story because there's clearly a lot more to a lot more that could be unpacked here but thank you for the challenge that you've laid down and for your openness and um yeah and sharing sharing with us this morning so thank you so much for your time and um we look forward to seeing you in the next episode where we um pick up another another leadership trait and take another deep dive into it with another guest in the arena um Thank you for listening and hopefully we'll be talking together soon. Thank you. Yeah, no, thank you, Kirsty. I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, it's been a pleasure uh, talking to you and thank you for having me. 
If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, we'd love you to share the podcast with a friend or leave a comment on social media. And if you'd like to become a regular at The Coaching Inn, you can subscribe on Podbean and all major podcast channels. We look forward to welcoming you next time. You've been listening to The Coaching Inn, 3D Coaching's virtual pub. For more information, check out 3dcoaching.com.